happen. Annalisa Tuswa joins me now on the line and uh, she's an independent business journalist and uh, we're taking a look at the big stories in the world of business today. And Annalisa, I guess uh, I want us to start off in uh, capital markets for a second. Uh, equities uh, finding themselves in somewhat of a rally here on the back of uh, much better than expected trade data coming out of China. Look, I think it was actually a good day across all markets. I, I, I realized even the JSE was actually doing quite well. Um, I mean, I think this is the best um, performance on their side we've seen in the last two or three weeks. Mm. So, and I mean, uh, we all know the impact of China. Um, and how much of a trade partner they are um, on many emerging economies, even on the big guys, actually. So really, I think their numbers, were, they came up way better than everyone had expected. Um, I think they had expected a, a drop of um, of 4% in, in their exports, mm. and they came out just down by 6.6%. Um, and that's a huge difference. Uh, I mean, that's like a double, well, half of what everyone had yeah. expected. Is, so, is, is it too soon, Annalisa, to, to maybe, I guess, uh, speak of green shoots here or to even be optimistic? And the reason why I ask this is that, yes, factory production might have returned uh, to uh, some semblance of normality in China. But the big question is, who are you going to sell this to uh, if indeed lockdowns are being extended across the globe? I mean, we've got one extended here in South Africa, one extended in a you know, uh, uh, a key consumer market like uh, France in the European Union, and we expect others uh, to follow suit. So, yes, it might be good now that this trade data is coming out, uh, but uh, Chinese exports are also going to come under a lot of fire uh, with the lockdowns continuing in other places of the world. I think so. I mean, I think it's quite too soon for for people to even celebrate um, China's numbers because, like you said, the lockdown continues in, in, in other parts of the world. So even with us, there's no point of China producing in masses if they can't sell it. Um, so they can continue their production on their side, but they won't have any place to go to because a lot of countries actually are either extending their lockdown or just being very cautious. So, And even in our case, I think even if we do lift up the lockdown mm. in two weeks' time, there'll be quite a few measures that will be taken to make sure that even just uh, external forces um, are quite limited in, 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 in our premises. So I think it might be a bit too soon to celebrate, but mm. I, I think on a market-based side, we're taking things a day at a time. Hey, when you see like up by 3%, you start to celebrate because we've, we've really seen the most. Because I'm just 3%. Yeah, double digit. Let's pause there for a second, Annelisa. And when we continue on the other side, we'll take a look at that decision by the monetary authorities here in South Africa, cutting the repo rate 100 basis points. And also, Alexander Forbes set to sell the Namibian short-term insurance unit. Seven minutes it is now uh, before uh, 8 p.m. You tuned into Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro with myself, Ayabong Atawe. And uh, we're in conversation with independent business journalist Annelisa Tuso. We're taking a look at uh, the uh, top business stories uh, that are moving markets uh, uh, on this uh, Tuesday. I guess a new start uh, to the week on the back of that uh, public holiday uh, for Easter Monday yesterday. Uh, but that being said, Annalisa, some news already coming out and trickling in. Uh, some expected news, I should rather say, because uh, this has always been part of the strategy uh, of uh, Alexander Forbes since uh, uh, the uh, uh, team... Uh, uh, from, uh, I think, Davi de Villiers and uh, the team from Sunlam uh, came through there, which was uh, to, uh, I guess, dispose of their short-term insurance business and uh, really be a capital light and advice-heavy uh, business. Talk to me about this uh, latest move now to sell uh, their short-term insurance unit in Namibia uh, to uh, one of their competitors here, Momentum. 
Look, I mean, I, like you said, I think it's it's been quite clear. They've been saying that they're trying to streamline their business operations um, and they've been disposing the insurance part of, of the business. So they've sold um, the, 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 the short-term insurance um, to Momentum in Namibia. And I mean, I think um, they were the, second, the fourth or the third largest um, short-term insurance company in, mm. in, 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 in Namibia. So really, I think on the momentum side of it, I think momentum is being given quite a head start in, in the Namibian market. Not even a head start, actually, just um, a good strategy to regrow their portfolio. And I mean, I think to hand over your short-term insurance to momentum, not even trying to promote them or anything, but I think you're handing it into a, a sustainable business, one mm-hmm. that isn't doing well um, in, in the short-term and long-term insurance space. Yeah, and we know they've already sold their South African short-term insurance business to Momentum as well. So I guess this is also somewhat of a formality here. Uh, Many people would have already been expecting this. And the only real hurdle to it now is uh, some of the um, competition authorities in uh, Namibia who are are set to give the green light to this uh, particular transaction. But uh, let's maybe talk about uh, what, in your view, an Alexander Forbes that doesn't have... Uh, the short-term insurance business within the stable, what that looks like in the competitive environment that they find themselves in. I mean, we saw Old Mutual making their way back into the country uh, just over, you know, uh, I think just over, you know, 12 months ago. Um, and uh, certainly a very different competitive environment to, to what maybe one would have seen three years ago. Look, I mean, I think for Alexander Forbes, for them to leave the market, the short-term insurance, it, it says a lot about their strategy because, remember, they remain one of the largest, if they're not the, if, I mean, I think after the PIC, well, they're actually the largest fund money administrator mm. for pension fund. So for them to streamline themselves back into that direction, that gives them more opportunity to actually have no competition on that side of the business. So for them to leave the short-term insurance, I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, and I mean, I, I think the South African industry, when it comes to short-term insurance, it's quite diverse, and it's a cutthroat industry. Um, so if you if you are in a business that is quite clear mm. on your on what you specialize in, I, I I think everyone must just stick to what they're good at. And momentum, and your and all the other insurance guys have done quite well in that. So yeah. I think when I look at Alexander Forbes, really, I don't I don't think they've I don't think they're going the opposite direction to say, but I think they are going ahead with what everyone has been saying, that, look, at back in the day, we used to say diversify your business as much mm. as possible, but right now we're saying specialize as much as possible, yeah. know that you're best, you're the best at what you do, and stay on top of it. Well, another business that has certainly had uh, a few challenges in the last few months or so is Salsi. Uh, they uh, uh, have uh, a lot of headaches to think about. I mean, one being... Uh, you know, the uh, roaming agreements with uh, 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 one of the uh, existing players in the marketplace. I think it's MTN there. And also, uh, on the back of that, I guess, um, concerns around the uh, CapEx requirements and what's needed for them to be able to compete here. Well, it seems uh, they've uh, let go of some of those concerns for a brief second here and uh, partnered up with M4Jam uh, to provide 2 million worth of micro-work opportunities to gig economy workers who might be affected by this uh, particular lockdown. Uh, what does this look like? And uh, I guess uh, what's in it here for some of the jobbers uh, who are being uh, called to uh, sign up on the platform? You know, when I when I saw the story, I was like, what did Chelsea do this time? <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I think good news coming out from their side, really. Um, so essentially, they've partnered or they've invested about $2 million to help people in, on an online platform. 
Um, it's called m for jam and I mean, it's the first time on my side hearing about them, but I'm, I'm guessing people who are on the job market who are constantly looking for opportunities know about it. Um, so what they're going to do is they'll be funding the, the M4 jam platform is like an online platform where you go and either you go find new skills or just like online education. They're specializing online education. Um, you can also find jobs, um, on the go. So it's basically for a platform for freelancers, if I were to put it that way. Mm-hmm. So what Chelsea is doing now is they're funding the platform so that people who visit the platform in, for example, for the next three weeks um, can get um, some free lessons and can get just job-related market things to advance your skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the condition is that you'll be upskilled on not just on how to look for a job or how to stay on top of you. You'll also be educated on some of Selfie's products. Just a really educated Selfie. Well, I'll call it like a and a selfie package um, mm. on things that you need to know about selfie. I mean, of course, yeah. Look, they wouldn't put two million rand down here to train without a condition, without but wanting I mean, to, th- to the, train them in their products. On top of it, you earn. So for every um, lesson that I, I think every week that you complete your lesson, you'll get like a a payout. Um, and I, I think if you're in the job market again, you're trying to advance your skills. You take as much as you can and you learn where you can. Mm. So even though you're not applying for a job at Selfie, the platform is actually enabling you to know more about the companies you're interested in telecoms. Yeah. Um, and not just Selfie, but also to actually update your CV as a regular job seeker. Okay. So, and Alyssa, yeah. last one before I let you go. I guess the big news of the day today, I mean, I certainly didn't expect, um, I don't know if it was an emergency meeting of the MPC, but I didn't expect uh, to be seeing Lesetja uh, Khanyak on my screen and alongside that, I guess, many others uh, on a Zoom call to announce a 100, uh, 100 basis point cut in the interest rates. I mean, just to give you some context, uh, I think just over a month and a half ago on social media, I mean, I'd made the case and said, ah, it would be nice to get... Uh, you know, um, 200 basis points, 150 basis points, if we're lucky, in the next few months or so. And yet, over the last three weeks or so, we've already had, uh, you know, 200 basis point cuts, uh, cumulatively 200 basis points cuts uh, in the last month and a half or so. So it certainly is uh, very unprecedented on the part of our central bank to intervene uh, in the manner that they have, but also with in, in such a quick and rapid succession. Look, I mean, like you said, I think it's quite a, a, a no one expected it. I, when I showed on, I, I showed on Twitter this morning and I was like, oh, is that a repeat of what we got last month? Or, I mean, I think the last MPC was on the 14th of March. Mm. So it's not even been a month since we got yo, yo, yo. that shocking cut because that was a shocking one. Some of us weren't expecting it because mm. we know it's quite consecutive. Um, but again, another one for consumers. I, I guess it's a win for consumers um, in, in the sense that in just a short space, you'd have been down, down by 2%. Mm. Um, so really a good one on his side. But I think on the overall side, one could say that the governor is slowly but surely coming to the party um, and realizing that there's a role for the bank to play yeah. beyond I mean, what, what do you make of him? It's interesting that you say he's coming to the party. Uh, because I guess that presupposes that there's a line that everybody's trying to draw him towards. Uh, and um, I guess in light of that, I'm interested in what you think of him suggesting that, hey, deficit financing is not something we're going to do. We're not going to fund 
the new issue of sovereign debt or, or even subscribe to that because I understand Zayotina as the South African Reserve Bank. Uh, so, so in a way here, he's really, I guess, given, you know, 100 basis points uh, with the caveat that says, hey, you know, yes, we're going this far when it comes to interest rates. But uh, all of you that are saying, let's just lend to the government and effectively create and print new money. Look, I mean, the governor has been quite clear on that one for the last two years. Um, he's been saying that you know, he's not printing more money. It's not part of his mandate and whatnot. Um, and I remember on the last MPC, he spoke about the flexibility that our inflation allows us when it comes to interest rates. So that's why he can move towards that direction. Mm. Um, and the reason, because a lot of people keep on saying Aya, that we've seen it in, in this country, we've seen it in, um, in, in the European Union, we've seen it A, B, C, and D, we've seen everyone doing it. Why is South Africa not doing it? And he says, look, the, we on our side, we still have a bit of monetary to, to, to fix around. We've got interest rates that, I mean, we're not even on zero yet. So mm. the reason why the other countries are doing it is because they don't have any room to navigate. That's why they need to forcefully enter into the market where they print more money. And today he came back to it again saying, look, he's not willing to print more money because essentially what that would mean is that we print, we continue to print more money in an economy and in the long term or in six months' time, you end up having money in your pocket that is not even that doesn't have value. So mm. you find yourself in a in a Zimbabwe situation where you've got eight hundred rand, but the hundred rand you think is on car because the money is no longer yeah. in, in, in value. We've got just too much of, of, of the money in circulation. Um, but I think on the government side of it, because it was quite firm that you know, he's not trying to, to, to government can afford, can literally sustain itself. So mm. government bond, government debt, he's not trying to finance the government's deficit. Uh, I think that was quite very strong um, because we... <laughs> The governor has his own way of doing things, if we to put it that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people might suggest that uh, he is influenced uh, by uh, the government and even the governing party. But uh, mm-hmm. certainly from where I'm sitting and what I can see is that no. uh, this is an independent governor, a part of an independent monetary policy committee, and I guess part of an independent central bank. And uh, I, I, I certainly welcome that there's a debate around these issues uh, where the public is exercising the necessary scrutiny because... Uh, for the longest time, I mean, this has been a debate just for the experts, just for Ababandu that are close to the action. And so it's quite uh, welcome that we're opening up this debate. But uh, Annalisa, we'll have to leave it there. And big thank you to you. And on the point uh, of the Central Bank, we'll pick that up again with Professor Chris Malikane after half past eight under the microscope this evening. But uh, we're going to have to leave uh, our wrap of the top business stories there. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me.